Thank you to each one who participated in our service today. Poems and Mother's Day seems to go hand in hand in some respects. Perhaps, men, you labored to pick out just the right card, or maybe you wrote your own card. But if you did purchase a card, I imagine that you opened it and read it. And many times there is a verse or a rhyme or a poem that depicts what it is that we want to convey to our wives and to our, our mothers. There was a song written in 1915 simply entitled Mother. And some of you that are old enough to remember certain shows may know this song. But uh, it is a unique song because its lyrics are built on an acrostic made from the word mother. So, the lyrics go as follows. M is for the many things she gave me. O means only that she's growing old. Now, I didn't write that. Okay, so, so don't hold me accountable. I'm just reading. But uh, O means only that she's growing old. T is for the tears she said shed to save me. H is for the hearts of purest gold. <coughs> e is for her eyes with love light shining. R means right and right shall always be. Put them all together. They spell mother, a word that means the world to me. The reason I started with that poem this morning is because we're going to look at a portion in Proverbs, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 31, which is actually a poem. It's a poem. And it is a very unique poem because it is an acrostic. And the acrostic is a chiastic acrostic, which means that it is an acrostic that's based on the alphabet, where each verse starts with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet, starting with the first letter, which is uh, Aleph, and then continues on, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, Hey, Wow, Zion, right down to the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is Tau. And so each verse takes on the uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The poetic acrostic serves a number of purposes. First, it shows the importance and beauty of a topic. Great consideration is given in the forming of the text. It is meant to adorn the thoughts with beauty. It is intended to be presented in a form where the form itself is beautiful. So the overarching message of verses 10 to 31 is the beauty of a godly wife. That her beauty, her worth, her value far exceeds anything that we could ever contemplate. Secondly, the acrostic serves as an aid to memorization. Triggering recall as one reflects on the particular letter with which a verse begins. In other words, you are helped, if you are a Hebrew child, to recite this poem because you know the beginning of the next stanza. You know the first word is going to start with Beth, or it's going to start with Gimel, or it's going to start with Dov. It helps you remember. 
And so this is an important poem that is to be held in high regard by Hebrew children. That female children are to aspire to be this kind of wife and mother. And Hebrew boys are taught that this is the kind of of wife that they should seek. That they should pursue. That they should want to marry. Which is very good and godly advice. And thirdly, it represents comprehensiveness of a subject. It has everything from Aleph to Tau. Or, uh, if uh, you think of it in English, everything from A to Z is covered in this poem. Many of the refrains are somewhat uh, repetitive. But the idea is that this is the complete package. If you have this characterization of a godly woman, then you have the whole package. You have everything that is to be said. So the theme of this morning's message is the ABCs of a godly wife. The ABCs of a godly wife. To give us a little bit of the sense of the acrostic favor, which is lost for us if we don't know Hebrew, and certainly is lost for us in our English translations, I decided to summarize the characteristics of a godly wife and mother found in each verse by giving the verse a title which will follow an acrostic. So, in other words, we're going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G through the text as it would do in the Hebrew. We are going to end with T because there are less letters in the Hebrew alphabet than there are in the English alphabet. But we're going to look at each one of these verses. And the point is to give you this sense that it doesn't really build on each other. These are collective kinds of thoughts, different word pictures to show us the fullness and the depth of what it means to be a godly wife and mother. So I'm going to introduce each one of these points with the first letter of the acrostic. So we begin with A. A. She is amazingly hard to find. Proverbs 31.10 An excellent wife, who can find? For her worth is far above jewels. Now, this is not a slam against women, wherein it says, where in the world are you going to find one of these people? For not only is it hard to find a godly woman, it's also hard to find a godly man. This is not a sexist statement. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? Who can find? Who can find this godly woman? And who can find this godly man? At one and the same time, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. These are words that are presented to King Lemuel in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1. Uh, These are the kinds of, of thoughts that the king should keep in mind. And so here's the challenge. If you are single and uh, you are interested in, in having a wife, um, try to find one like this. Try to find this kind of individual. As you sit and you contemplate and you think about what a wife should be like and what you would want in a wife, keep Proverbs 31, 10 
to 31 in your thoughts. Make it a challenge. Who can find a wife like this and say, I can, I can. But they are rare. For notice it says that uh, she, her worth is far above jewels of uh, precious stones. Uh, can't speak the importance of finding a godly wife. Secondly, B, she is a blessing to her husband. She is a blessing to her husband. Proverbs 31.11 The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She is trustworthy is the essence of verse 11. She is trustworthy in all aspects of life. Marital fidelity. He can trust her. He can trust her with other men. He can trust her in a myriad of circumstances. She is trustworthy. She is trustworthy in her language. She is honest. She is a person of noble character. She can be trusted. She is reliable in her finances. In her finances. It's interesting that this proverb says an awful lot about finances. Finances come up time and time again in Proverbs chapter 31. And in some ways, that's not surprising. Because when I do premarital counseling, I talk about what are the two most uh, fought about issues in a marriage. And the first one, surprisingly enough, and maybe it doesn't surprise you, is in-laws. Uh, that's what couples have the most difficulty with, getting along with their in-laws. But number two, and a close second, is finances. They argue over money. And if you're going to be deceptive in your finances, that's going to create even more difficulties. Uh, if you're going to uh, try to hide purchases or, or, or try to uh, keep two sets of books, whatever the case may be, if you can't trust your spouse in the area of finances, it's real tough to have a happy and uh, good marriage. Well, her husband safely trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She will not do him any wrong financially. See, she is caring her whole life long. Proverbs 31, verse 12. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She's going to do him good and not evil. She's not going to feed him arsenic. She's going to feed him vegetables. Okay? She's going to do him good. But her life consists of more than sporadic acts of kindness and goodness. Rather, she is committed and faithful to her husband for her entire life. Notice verse 12. All the days of her life. The emphasis is on the way in which she treats her husband. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Now, there, there are verses in this proverb that speak about her children. But here, it speaks about her husband. Why? Why? Well, because the children grow up and leave. Her responsibilities to her children are going to change over the years. We find in the book of Genesis that we are to leave our father and mother and cleave unto our spouse. So that when our children grow and they become married, our responsibility 
our care, if you will, for our children shifts. It shifts from the mother and the father now to the spouse. And they care for one another. But the wife, you see, in verse 12, is to do him good, is to care for him all the days of her life. Put it in a more modern vernacular, until death parts them. Until death parts them. She is going to be faithful to him as long as he lives. And obviously, as long as she lives. To find someone who doesn't just start well, but ends well. I am not all that amazed or surprised when I hear of marital difficulties and and people divorce after five years or seven years or even ten years of marriage. But I'll tell you, I'm always taken aback when I hear of somebody who's been married 35 or 40 years. And then all of a sudden they are they're seeking a divorce. You'd think that they're beyond that. You, you would think they've worked through the issues. You'd think there had been enough heartache and sacrifice, etc., etc., that they've made that commitment and now it's going to last. 30 or 40 years in getting divorced. That, in, in some ways, that's just hard for me to get my mind around. It's hard for me to, to really understand that. But here, the psalmist is simply saying, the, uh, excuse me, uh, the proverb is simply saying, here is someone who is faithful to their spouse, does them good, not harm, as long as their spouse lives. D. Delighted in her work. Proverbs 31.13 She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's delighted in her work. There are two key thoughts in this uh, particular proverb. The first is the word seek. Seek is the key word, which describes the eagerness or willingness to which she goes about her work. Flax and wool speak of materials used in summer and winter garments. We might say wool and linen. Thus, all year long, she is working but never loses pleasure in the work that she does. She is pleased and happy with what she does. Uh, she works with her hands in delight. She's renewed, takes pleasure in being a wife and a mother. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Great gain. Here is a person who is content being a wife and a mother. How refreshing it is to be around someone who is content. Our world is so uncontent. Our, 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 our world is so anxious for things it doesn't have, things it doesn't possess, never satisfied. But here is this godly woman, and she is content. E, enterprising in providing for her family. Proverbs 31, verse 14. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Merchant ships would buy and sell materials from faraway ports. 
So I brought that over into our society. The picture is she goes out of her way or she goes to great lengths to buy and sell and making provision for her family. Uh, She does what it takes to make it work. F. She's faultless in her meeting the needs of others. Proverbs 31 verse 15. She rises also while it's still night. She gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She gets up in the middle of the night. We had three couples that are standing up here this morning and dedicating their children to the Lord. And I just imagine that they know what it means to get up in the middle of the night. Sarah, were you up last night? Not last night. Not last night. No, I just blew it. But you were up. Yes, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. And uh, ladies, if you're a mother, you can remember those days. And, you know, it isn't just when they're young. When they're 16 and out driving. The first night they have that car and it rains and you're laying in bed and you're thinking about, are they going to get home safely? You just might find yourself up in the middle of the night. The night before your child is married. They may not be the only ones that find it difficult to sleep. You may be up in the middle of the night. It speaks of care that is by modern vernacular 24-7. Constant. Constant. So that she rises while it's still night. She gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. She gives food to everyone in her household. Family and servants alike. She is greatly needed. G. Generous. No, no, excuse me. No. G. Generates income of material gain. Proverbs 31.16 She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings she plants a vineyard. The word consider has the idea of, of shrewdness. It is actually a cost-effective term. She looks at this field. She calculates what is being asked, what the asking price is, and what that field is really worth. She's giving a lot of consideration of value. She figures out what she can do with that field. How she can make a profit from it. And so she buys the field after giving a lot of thought about the price and its value and its worth. And from her earnings, she plants a vineyard. From what that field is able to produce, now she has expanded to actually planting vineyards. And the grapes and the wine that it's able to produce. A good wife is shrewd with her money, whether that be in the complexity of business and making all kinds of business decisions. And certainly there are wives that are actively engaged in in those endeavors. Or in the simplicity of comparative shopping and looking for bargains. 
The idea here is that this godly woman doesn't overpay. She looks at what things are worth and buys appropriately, buys knowledgeably. And as such, she generates income. H. Hardy in her physical demeanor. Proverbs 31.17 She girds herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. She takes care of herself physically. That's part of being a godly wife. To take care of herself. And she does. And so she is strong. I Industrious. Proverbs 31.18 She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. So, two thoughts. One, she works hard in the wee small hours of the morning. You heard the old adage, a woman's work is never done. Or, it can refer to the fact that she benefits from the fruit of her labor, which the emphasis is on gain. Notice, Verse 18, she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. Probably what's in view in verse 18 is the fact that she has enough oil that she's able to burn her lamp all night long if she wants to. That's the product. That's the fruit. That's the gain of her labor that she's been able to provide. She's been able, in this instance, to provide light through the night. J. Judicious with her time. Verse 19. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hands grasp the spindle. Speaking of weaving. She lays holds of or tackles what needs to be done. She's not a procrastinator. She accomplishes her works. She puts her hand to the work. K. She's kind in her dealings with others. Verse 20. She extends her hand to the poor. And she stretches out her hands to the needy. This godly wife and mother is concerned not only about her needs and her family, but other families as well. Here's an opportunity that are really, really present in our culture and our society. You know, for, for godly families to open their homes to others. You know, especially... While you still have children. You know, I, I realize it's an imposition. I realize that kids can be a mess and can drag in dirt and so on. But I tell you, you're a blessing to your community. When you allow the kids to come over to your house and play. When you allow them to be in your backyard. When you provide them with the hot dogs and the chips and, and the baked goods and when you just open your house to them. That's a blessing to your community. A place, a safe haven, where these kids aren't going to be molested, they're not going to be mistreated, they're going to be valued, they're going to be influenced for the cause of Christ. That's a great blessing. And we need to be concerned more than just our own families. Here the godly wife and mother is. Then you think as the kids get older, you know, they're in high school, let those kids come over. They go off to college. Have them bring their friends home, their roommates, their classmates, their whoever. I remember one night, you know, we uh, uh, 
our kids were home from, from college, and college wasn't that far from them. It was just Lancaster Bible College. And, uh, you know, they, they said, uh, can we bring some kids home? We said, sure. And, uh, you know, word got out that they were going home and bringing people. I think we ended up with 40 that night. And, uh, and you know, my wife said to me, I don't have that much stuff. What are we going to do? And I said, well, there's a pizza place. That's no problem. So we bought pizza and, and brought them home. And, and uh, everybody had pizza. But, there, but there's a blessing to that. There's a, a value to that. There's a worth to that for our community and for our children to know that protection. So she's kind. They're dealing with others. L. She's liberated from fear. Proverbs 31:21. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She is ready for whatever takes place. In Jerusalem, it didn't snow all that often. And if it did snow, it was one of those kinds of onion snows that didn't last very long. It would just be here and gone. Jerusalem didn't get all that cold. But here, in this instance, is preparedness. It's looking at the out of the ordinary situation. So that even when it snows, that's okay. She's got it covered. She's anticipating the difficult and and uh, hard times. And therefore, she's not afraid because she's prepared. M. She's meticulous in her appearance. Proverbs 31:22. She makes covering for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. She pays attention to details. She pays attention to her uh, adornments. The, the scripture has a lot to say about how our inner beauty is far more important than our exterior beauty. And this problem is going to go there as well. But the most important part is inward beauty. But that doesn't mean that you should just let yourself go to pot. That doesn't mean that, that we shouldn't seek to be outwardly attractive. That we shouldn't seek to uh, be pleasing aesthetically to our spouses. Here, she makes her coverings for herself, notice. For herself, not just others. With uh, fine linen and purple. Uh, ladies, I say this because... I've experienced this, okay? My wife was very generous in our kids being clothed. Now, a lot of times we use the uh, yard sales and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when it came to an important time to have that special dress or whatever, my wife didn't bat an eye at what that cost. But, man, trying to get her to buy something for herself, that was really, really tough. You know, because uh, she'd spend it on other people, but she wouldn't spend it on herself. I'm just saying, here is a verse that talks about spending money on yourself. That, uh, that there's a place for that within a godly home and a godly family. And uh, men need to be aware of that as well. And, notable in her support, Proverbs 31:23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She contributes greatly to her husband's success. Her demeanor increases his stature. Her labors enhance his freedom to participate 
in public life. Uh, he grows to a place of importance to sit, and the gates is to be in a place of governing or ruling the city. Uh, she makes him a success. It may seem old school to you. It may seem old hand, but there is an old adage that behind every good man is a good woman. Uh, there is a lot that needs to be understood how our wives make us successful. We should know how they contribute. Sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes it's less obvious. But it's just important. You know, that, that they free us for opportunities to serve, to minister. I could use a lot of per, per, personal examples, but I won't. But, you know, I, I was really chagrined by a friend of mine who had gone to law school and his wife put him through law school. She worked hard and uh, a rather meaningful, uh, a rather uh, mundane job in order to pay his way through law school. And he graduated and he started practicing law and in a few years he divorced her. I thought, how? How ungrateful. How cold. How callous. How unaware of the importance, the role that she had played in his life. I, I was very hurt by that. I thought that, that is the height of ingratitude. You know, that uh, he would treat her in that way, we need to recognize all that our spouses contribute to us and appreciate them for it. Oh, occupied with her labors. Proverbs 31:24. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies belts to the tradesmen. She not only provides for her family, but she has garments left over. She is so industrious that she has an overflow, and so she sells what her family doesn't need. P. She's positive. In her outlook. Proverbs 31.25 Strength and dignity are her clothing. She smiles at the future. Here's where the positive in her outlook comes from. She smiles at the future. She has good reason to be positive. For she has provided for the future. She has good expectation of where the future is going to lie because she's been working hard at making the future all that it can be. We can't guarantee the future. But we can work hard to make sure that the, the future is what we would, would want it to be. Uh, there is a, a quiet confidence that we can have when we are really seeking the will of God. When we're really trying to do what's right and working hard at it. Believing that, that God will bless that. God will prosper it. That we can have a, a good confidence as we view the future. Next, Q. She's quotable in her advice. Quotable in her advice. Proverbs 31.26 She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So she has something of value to say. And it's worth remembering. I was in a, a, a program, a doctor program, and Calvin Miller was the uh, professor. And uh, he was a guest professor so he didn't know any of the students. And he wanted to introduce himself to us and us to him and wanted to get us to know each other better. 
And so he had a little exercise. And he asked everyone in the class to share with him a, a family saying. Something that the mother was habitually saying to them to kind of encourage them or, or help them or whatever. And uh, what word of advice that she gave. And it was fascinating to me that every single guy had a phrase. That, and they were all different phrases. But it was what characterized life from their mother's uh, perspective. In my house, it was simple. It was this. It was the, the credo by which my mother lived. And I heard it ad infinitum. Never complain, never explain. That was, that was the way in which she lived her life. Never complain. Don't complain about anything. And don't go around explaining why you do everything you do. Her motto was just keep your mouth shut. Smile a lot. Don't complain. Don't explain. Just live your life the way that you feel that you need to live it before God. That was her godly wisdom. That was her quotable advice. I encourage you to think about what have you learned from your mother? What is that bit of wisdom that is unique to your family? And if you're a mother here, what is it that you want to pass on to your child? What do you want to be remembered for? What is the impact that you want to have? Boil it down in a nutshell, what, what do you want them to glean from you? Quotable in her advice. R, regimented in her lifestyle. Proverbs 31:27. She looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. To look well to the ways of her household means she oversees the household well. She's in charge of, of the servants. And uh, she is acting appropriately. And she does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, whatever she eats, she has earned. Whatever she, is, she eats, she has earned. We need to realize our wives deserve everything they get and more. Our wives deserve everything they get and more. I'm speaking to a, an audience here that everybody's different. Every household is different. Some wives are working outside the home. Some wives are working uh, in the home. Uh, it's just different. Incomes are different. The amount of money that men and women are, are contributing to the household is, is different. But one thing should be universally true. And that is our wives deserve everything they get. Uh, sometimes, because men are the, the larger wage earner, and in some instances they're the only wage earner, that the husbands feel like then they control the money. Which means they get to expend the money in ways that they want to expend it. In ways that it means something to them. Maybe it's a hunting lodge, Maybe it's a hobby. For me, it tends to be vehicles. But whatever the case may be, and we look at that and we say to ourselves, well, we deserve this. 
We deserve this. All I'm saying is we need to step back and not begrudge our wives anything and acknowledge they deserve it. They deserve it. Uh, S. She is stupendous in the eyes of her loved ones. Stupendous in the eyes of her loved ones. Proverbs 31, 28. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also. And she prays and praises her saying. Um, we should praise our wives. Verbally. Vocally. Uh, out loud. Uh, and we should praise them in tangible ways. Not just, you know, I love you, but I love you because. Uh, not only that, that you are wise, but I see that wisdom expressed in the counsel you just gave. Thank you for the way in which you handled this situation. Boy, that was really kind the way you, you did that. I appreciate your generosity in thinking of others rather than yourself when you did whatever. To be specific. And to give her the praise because many times that's her only reward. Many times, that's her, her only reward. Uh, she needs to know that she's important to us. She's important to her children. T. She's tops in every way. Tops in every way. Proverbs 31, 29. Many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Now, here's an oddity. In verse 29, where it says, Many da uh, daughters have done nobly, it's the exact same word that's used in Proverbs, 10, Proverbs 31, 10, where it says, an, an excellent woman, who can find? There it says, who can find? Because she's as rare as all get out. And now in Proverbs 29, it says there are many of these kinds of, of women. Well, they certainly are rare in society. But I don't think they're rare in our church. But what verse 29 is saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you exceed them all. Without putting down or demeaning anyone else, we really ought to think that our wife and our mother is tops. We ought to appreciate them in such a way that we say, you know, I, there's not another person on the face of this earth that I want to be married to. There is nobody else that I'm attracted to. You're it. I believe I got the best. And without going to fisticuffs, we all should feel that way. We ought to be grateful for the wife that we have. Thankful for her. Thankful for the mother that she is. Every wife, every mother should strive to be that. So their husband and her children feel that way. And what a blessing it is. How wonderful life is. When we can say that sincerely. What a joy. To me... The home is an oasis in a, in a desert. The world is a desert to me. And I just love going home to get away from 
the desert. All the hardships, all the difficulties, all the, the whatever. And you finally get home. And there you are with somebody who loves you. Somebody who cares for you. And it's just so different. It's just so different. And that's what life needs to be. It needs to be that oasis. It needs to be that for our children. When they come home from school, it's just a different environment. It's a different place. When they come home from work, it's a different environment. It's a different place. We should feel that they are tops in every way. You. Unique in our appeal. Unique in our appeal. Uh, Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she should be praised. Uh, She is praised because not just of her physical beauty, but her internal, her spiritual beauty. Outward beauty diminishes over time. A woman eventually is going to lose her figure and good looks. Not mine, but most do. Okay. And you just have to be aware that that that, that happens. Okay. But, but the spiritual inside, okay, that, that, that deepens. That, that enhances. That develops. That grows. You know. So that the person today, no matter how long you married, the person today is better than the person you married. Because of what God has done for them inside. In that sense, our love needs to grow. Our commitment needs to grow. Our appreciation needs to grow. And D, she's vindicated in her life's choices. Give her the product of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. Uh, the end of her life demonstrates the value, the worth. She's vindicated in her choices. It was all worthwhile. Her life has been well spent. In conclusion, there are a lot of things in this chapter, but they, bear, they really narrow down to two things. One is that she's hardworking. That comes back time and time again. Mothers are hardworking. Thank you, mothers, for your work. Uh, it is a lot of work. And diligence, perseverance. It's day in and day out. It's year in and year out. Uh, thank you for your diligence. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your commitment to your, your husbands over years and many years and many, many years. Uh, that is praiseworthy. Let us pray. Our Father, help us as we seek uh, to honor our mothers this day. Thank you for godly wives and mothers. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.